Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, also an extension of NFL Draft Bible, as all three of us are members of Sports Illustrated's NFL Draft Coverage website. Head on over to si.com slash NFL slash draft to read fantastic articles by Ryan and Alex. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap, if you didn't know that. Today we are getting into the running back class, discussing some fun, interesting names, some guys that could be impact players and workhorse backs on some NFL teams, some interesting gadget guys, some great athletes. We're going to get into all of that, though, before we do, folks. I just want to talk to you about Bet Online. The Super Bowl is behind us. Does not mean, though, folks, that there is not... Uh, other fantastic games to bet on. We've got FCS football right around the corner. We have basketball. Baseball is not too far away. Hockey. If you like watching sports, make it a little bit more entertaining. Put $5, $10 down on a game. Put together a parlay. Make yourself some money. And if you're going to do that, head on over to Bet Online. <laughs> bet Online has hundreds of props and also odds on so many different games and specific things. And if you want to bet, make sure to head to Bet Online. Always available online or on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, let's talk about this running back group. And I, I think that this group is so fun. And I'm also really glad when we get to the the number one guy spot that you guys disagree on that because I think that is the biggest storyline is who is the number one guy because both names are two completely different style of players, two completely polar opposites in terms of build and and the way that they play the running back position. But as we know, running backs are moving further away from being the focal point of offenses, but rather um, an appendage, if you will, an added asset to help improve the offense and produce yards to maybe have an impact in the passing game. And, and as we, we've we done so far in the other two shows, I'd like to look at this class from the overall viewpoint, how we feel the depth is, where we think the first guys will come off the board. And I feel like right now, and Ryan, I want to hear from you first, the overall consensus seems like probably not going to get somebody until the end of the first, early second, just because overall the value at the running back position is just not as high as it has been. Too many teams have been burnt by running backs seems like very recently and there's nobody in this class like a Saquon Barkley who's just a freak athlete that's worth investing in so like where do you see this class going and how it looks yeah I think that's just more the trend of the position in general like I don't think that's really a knock on the class at all it's at the point now where teams have been you know really spurred with some of these contracts like the Todd Gurley's and the Ezekiel Elliott's and these bad contracts that they're just starting to rethink how they structure rosters. When we're talking from a macro perspective of 2021, 
I think that it's a very good class, and I think that there are three running backs that I'm sure we're going to hit on very soon here that have an argument to be taking in the first-round conversation. So at the top, I think it's strong. And then, like, of course, there's going to be some drop-off after that top three naturally if they're first-round potential caliber players. So there is a drop-off. I think that the misconception, though, is that, like, this isn't a good class because there's such a massive drop-off. No, it's just that after the top three that are potential three down backs, then we're talking about our specialized niche players that, hey, are either third down backs or they're one and two get, one or two down runners with a power profile. There's no, there's not too many well-rounded players after that top three that maybe are potential every down backs, but I think it's a very good running back class, and especially at the top, those top three runners, which we're going to get into, all could find themselves in the first round conversation. Yeah, I'm a big fan, like Ryan alluded to, those top three guys. Those guys are going to cement themselves as as every down workhorse running backs as rookies in the NFL. And that's what you see between that tier one of running backs that we've seen in years previous uh, dropping off to that second tier is you have those guys that are going to walk into the NFL and be a workhorse. And, you know, Ryan talked about first-round potential with each of the top three guys individually, and that's that's where I'm at too. The running back position definitely has lost its – value uh, as it's moved to kind of a complementary piece to an offense instead of being the focal point like Joe was talking about uh, at the top of the show. But the, each of these three guys are going to come in and they're going to be heavy contributors to the next level. And like Ryan said, there's there's guys after that that either will work well in a committee or they, they're very niche, you know, style uh, ball carriers or, you know, pass catchers out of the backfield. I actually like this class a lot. I, I, I see some guys later on that I'm going to that I'm going to like on day three. Um, but the top of the class is impressive as well. I'm not a running back in round one guy usually, but you can make an argument with with certain rosters in the NFL for taking each of these top three guys that like like we we're about to talk about. Uh, in round one at the top of the draft. So I always like to get in, into the conversation of who is your guy in this class? Who is the guy that you're going to pump up and, and and talk about in a more positive light than most people that you're going to stand on the table and, and shout and say, like, this is my guy. Teams need to draft this player. Uh, Ryan, I, I, I really want to get into this player because we were talking about this right before we started recording. It seems like there's a lot of guys that opted out at the beginning of the year that – just people forgot about them because they didn't play. And there's way more guys than we typically see. You'll maybe have like one guy that this happens to because of injury or some other circumstance, but there's a handful of players and this dude's super talented. And I think that once people start talking about him again and they remember how good he is, he's still going to get drafted highly and he's going to have an impact pretty early on in the NFL. Yeah. And of course that player is Kenny Gainwell, who is the running back out of the university of Memphis. And for me, out of sight, out of mind. Like some of these guys, you just don't talk about much because you haven't seen them, obviously, in 2020. So when you're doing your final evals, you're they're not fresh on your mind because there's not 2020 film to talk about. But when you turn on the film in 2019 of Kenny Gainwell as a redshirt freshman, I mean, my guy was like over 1,400 yards, over 600 yards receiving. Like he was an all-purpose dynamo. And we talked about like, hey, after that top three, there might not be a guy that's a three-down back. And Kenny Gainwell might not fit to be in the traditional three-down back, but the value that he gives you on the passing game, you could sell me him that he's your lead ball carrier and pass receiver because he is so shifty, so explosive in short spaces. 
more of a zone runner than a power runner, obviously, because he was listed at about 5'9", 5'10", 191 pounds or so. So he's not the biggest running back in the world. Although we haven't seen him all year, so who knows what he's weighing now. He may very well be over 200 pounds now. But the reason that I really value Gainwell, besides for the fact of, hey, in the run game, he can affect it. In the pass game, he's outstanding. Memphis will put him in, in into the boundary sometimes and throw some back shoulder fades to him, despite him not being the biggest running back of all time. There is versatility, and there is dynamite and dynamic ability here with Kenny Gainwell. And when you look at him, he's not your traditional third down back where you look at him, you're like, oh, he's slight, he's small. My guy's packed together down low. He's got some big legs. He runs pretty physical. He's got some contact balance to him. So I don't think this is just a third down back. I think that Kenny Gainwell has the making of being a lead ball carrier and, and a pass catching threat. And in how the game is is fundamentally put together now with the importance of the passing game, a guy like Kenny Gainwell as that space player who can affect the run and pass game for me is beyond valuable. And I think the more that we get him fresh on the mind, whether that's at a pro day or going back to the 2019 film, the more that we'll remember that, hey, during the summer, this guy was a summer scouting darling because of the talent level that he has. Yeah, I think Gainwell has a really good case of being that top guy in that that next tier after the top three that we keep we keep addressing. I mean, Gainwell, I think he would benefit. You know, Ryan talked about, and I'll agree with him that he doesn't kind of fit that mold to be a every down workhorse, and that's what prevents him and his home run hitting ability from being in that top tier. Is just he just doesn't fit that size profile to be a workhorse running back. But I think he could benefit from. A situation like Alvin Kamara had early in his career with with being able to to lean on Mark Ingram on early downs and and Alvin Kamara be you know and Kenneth Gainwell being that that explosive threat whether it's just using a third down roll early on or I think he can give you a little bit more than that so Gainwell one of the better uh, home run hitting threats uh, in this class for sure I just love his his explosiveness you know his acceleration bursting through the second level of the defense he's going to hit a couple home runs this year and people are going to start uh, coming around to him you know from a dynasty fan fantasy perspective but no uh, Kenneth Gainwell is a good football player and I think if he is given the right opportunity with with a compliment you know a heavier set compliments you know Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma being more of that you're not a big fan, Ryan. Yeah, You're really. giving me the thumbs down. <laughs> He's a solid football player, but I, I, just someone that's in this draft class, just just so we can mention more names. Uh, Oklahoma Stevenson, you know, that profile of a power, you know, one, two down running back and then pairing him with Trey Sermon. Yeah. There's another one, you know, formerly of Oklahoma, now with Ohio State. Those are just a couple running backs that would pair well with Kenneth Gainwell's uh, skill set overall in the NFL. Now, who's your guy, though, that that you're, you're supporting here? And I, I think that... In some cases, a lot of people might have this player as a clear-cut top three guy. I feel like I keep hearing only positive things about, and it's Javonta Williams. What? Why are you so high on Javonta Williams, and why do you like him so much? Well, for me, one, I w- we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Javonte Williams specifically, so I wanted to make sure we got him in this show. But two, for me, I think he's been pegged as this clear-cut RB3. There's the two guys at the top, and Javonte Williams has cemented himself as that third guy. But for me, he's he's right there at two. I think he's the second best running back in this year's class. I'm a huge fan of Javante Williams' game, that contact balance. What really separates him and gives him the leg up on the other two that we're going to discuss here in a little bit uh, in that first tier of running backs is he has more tread on the tires left. 
Yeah. You know, Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, who are the top guys usually in this draft class for for other people, have been four four year workhorses for their respective schools. Devontae Williams has been paired in a backfield with with Michael Carter for much of uh, his collegiate career, along with some other guys that have gotten some carries throughout. Devontae Williams hasn't touched the ball half as much as as Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. And I think that's something that's becoming more and more valuable at the NFL level is getting guys that have fresher legs uh, in here because you know that shelf life is just so short uh, at the running back position in the NFL. So Javante Williams, from a size profile, I think he has underrated burst and explosiveness for his frame. I I think not enough people talk about it, but everyone loves to talk about his power. I think he can he can be a threat in the passing game. I don't think he's as big of a threat as these other guys at the top, but he can work in the passing game, whether that's from a pass protection standpoint, which, which I really like his pass protecting. Uh, but he can also, he has some sneaky uh, pass catching ability as well, but he pairs that, that, um, that power with great contact balance, underrated burst and, and pretty good vision to go along with it. So I'm a huge Javante Williams fan for me. He's my RB two, And I think that's why, I have him as a my guy here, along with the fact that I just wanted to get his name out there. He's the best. He's the best pass blocking running back in the 2021 NFL draft as well. And when you're talking about him sharing a backfield with Michael Carter, who is a good football player for North Carolina, like you just see the moments though. Like if you turn on the Miami film, I know Michael Carter had an yeah. outstanding game, but like my guy Javante is getting downhill and running dudes over, then throwing a spin move in there. Just after, I mean, Amari Carter, the safety from Miami. Javante Williams is his worst nightmare. He still ha- he probably still you know wakes up in, in cold sweats thinking about trying to tackle Javante Williams, man. Like he's that, it's a bus. He's that good, man. Like yeah, he he can transition speed to power. We talk about that with with uh, edge edge rushers, defensive ends, outside linebackers, a bunch. Be able to convert speed to power. Javante Williams, we have in the in the database as a potential four four uh, lo- high four four guy. So like four four six to four four nine. So he's got speed. And he's got a 220-plus pound frame. He's able to convert that speed to a whole lot of momentum and a whole lot of power, plus what he does in the passing game as a pass protector. Big fan of Javonta Williams. We've got a few more superlatives I'd like to hit on before uh, we end up wrapping up this show. Before we do, though, folks, we just have to take a quick commercial break. All right, now comes the fun part because I, I feel like, and I led in with this at the start of the show, I feel like it's either Travis Etienne or it's Najee Harris for the most part for running back one. And for me, it seems like whoever picks that number one guy, whoever you pick in in that spot is based on what you value more at the running back position. Because there are, there are teams that like Tennessee that are a power run scheme that will set up their passing game off of it, that they like running the football. They like having a big back I think the Falcons in the second round are really going to be in play for Najee Harris when if he's still available in the second round because Arthur Smith is now the head coach. He's going to try and build a team that is very similar to what we saw when he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. But conversely, Travis Etienne, smaller, explosive, um, very, very fast and athletic. He is going to be somebody that a team like Maybe an offense more like Kansas City's, they're definitely not going to take another running back. But someone like Kansas City who values small, compact, really explosive running backs that also are an added piece to the passing game, that's where he might be valued as running back one. So it's good here that both of you guys disagree. 
So I want to just hear an argument from both of you guys. So Ryan, why do you have Travis as RB1? And then when you're done here, Alex, I want to know why you have Najee as, as running back one. Well, I think it really does come down to preference in this conversation. I would even throw Javante Williams into the running back one conversation because I know some people do have him there. And it's, it's a fact, right. Joe. You can shake your head, but it is absolutely... No, I'm just shaking my head because I, I asked you specifically <laughs> about Travis. Yes. And you're like, I'm going well, into Travis. Williams. I promise. I'm going into <laughs> yeah. Travis. I'm going into Travis. It is what you prefer with how the league has moved to this zone-based running scheme. Almost every team employs. You mentioned... Derrick Henry running the power scheme like there aren't too many teams that are a strict power running scheme anymore. They're inside-outside zone. The guys are trying to find their Alvin Kamaras. They're trying to find that guy. And for me, Travis Etienne is a legit 4-3 athlete who, if you give him a crack, he's gone. When he breaks the second level, he's out of here, creating explosive plays. He is not the route runner that Alvin Kamara is where you can put him in the slot. You can run a variety of routes, but his improvements in the passing game over the last couple of years are profound. And he is an outlet receiver who, again, manipulate a little bit of space, create a little bit of space, and he can just take it to daylight. For me, that player is more valuable now than it ever has been before because teams now more than ever spreading the football out and creating space. That's what they do now. And for me, he's the clear cut guy, in my opinion, just because of that home run ability he has. Najee Harris is an excellent football player. Ten years ago, he's probably easily RB1. But for me now, with how the game has evolved, it's Travis Etienne. So, for me, I think Najee Harris is a better receiving back than Travis Etienne. And I know I know. we talked about you know not, uh, Travis Etienne's ability to pass, ca- you know, catch out of the backfield. But I think a lot of people's beliefs on Travis Etienne's ability in the passing game is due to his explosiveness. Like, oh, he's this explosive, smaller frame guy to Najee Harris. He's automatically the better pass catcher, and I don't think that's the case. I think Najee Harris has proven for years now that he is the superior pass catching weapon. This year especially, Mac Jones comes in. He's dinking and dunking to Najee Harris, his ability to work after the catch. Route run we saw in the playoffs as well as the SEC championship uh, over the middle of the field. Najee Harris is just the more complete back. Travis Etienne wins the 40-yard the dash. He wins the explosive uh, measurables over Najee Harris. But I think Najee Harris, you get better vision. I think you get better power. I mean, look at the thighs. We saw the thighs in the picture uh, at, the, at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> but no, Najee Harris, I think he's a better pass catcher. I think he's a better pure runner. And I don't think he's just a power run kind of guy. I think this is a screen versatile player that can play in any scheme. Joe talked about the Falcons being a target in the the beginning of the second round. I don't think he makes it out of the first round. I think Najee Harris is the first running back taken. I don't I don't have any hesitations in in thinking that. I think Javante Williams is that power running back that Arthur Smith could take in the second round uh, to replace you know Todd Gurley didn't have it. I think Javante Williams fits that mold perfectly, and that's someone you can realistically expect to be there at what is that thirty six overall. Yeah. Najee Harris. Najee Harris is gonna. I am confident in saying Najee Harris is gonna be the first running back taken. He's been able to stay healthy, Travis Etienne as well. But I think Najee Harris, you get a more complete running back. Uh, I think the more impressive 2020 season came from Najee Harris over Travis Etienne. And, you know, what's most important is what what have you done for me lately? And Travis Etienne, though he didn't have a bad 2020 season, he didn't quite have the level of play that we expected coming off that 2019 tape. So I think where Travis Etienne 
somewhat, you know, I'm saying in quotations, disappointed relative to expectation. Najee Harris just transcended what he already has proven to this point in his career. I think Najee Harris is just a complete running back. Well, but which guy was playing in an offense that had better players around him and then on on top of that had his quarterback the whole season? So I I don't know if we can 100% like say that like, oh, one guy had a clear cut way better season than the other. No, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you get that, you get that media perspective. You know, Najee Harris has been pumped through Twitter for months and months. Travis Etienne has not been talked about, and it's That's not, true. and it's, yeah, you know, t- and and it's due to the fact that he hasn't had those explosive plays like he usually has. Travis Etienne has some super, super explosive football player. I think he has underrated contact balance. The way he's able to leg drive with the the momentum that he can gain through his acceleration is super impressive. But for me, he's coming in at RB three, right behind Javante Williams, uh, and it's just because I don't. Th- I think he's an overrated pass catcher. He has improved over the course of his career, like Ryan talked about when when selling ETN. But I still think he's fairly uncomfortable in the passing game relative to Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is far and away the better pass catching weapon in the backfield. All right, Ryan, I know you want to respond to this, but I would like to get to some sleepers because you have two guys that you want to bring up. So anybody that maybe isn't getting the recognition that they deserve. And I feel like most of these names that are about to be brought up are the one that the first one that you're going to give us, Ryan is one that is somewhat talked about, but I'm curious to hear the rest of these guys. So Ryan, why don't you hit us with your two players? So in 2019, Khalil Herbert was a running back at Kansas and was the, well, well, he was a backup ball carrier technically to Puka Williams, but Puka Williams missed the first couple games. Khalil Herbert was averaging about a hundred yards a game. After Puka came back, it was after the fourth game, he decided to opt out of the rest of the season and take that redshirt year, transfer to Virginia Tech as a grad transfer. And he has far exceeded my expectations this year at a little uh, a little under five foot nine, two hundred and five pounds or so. My guy runs a lot more physically than five foot nine, two hundred and five pounds. He is well put together. He's a downhill runner who's got a little extra juice. He's also a kick returner for the team. Went to the Senior Bowl and absolutely dominated in the pass protection drills. So now I'm looking at him as a three-down potential back. He had a great season for Virginia Tech. And I'm a huge fan of Khalil Herbert. I put a comp on him to another Virginia guy, different school, not Virginia Tech. The University of Virginia, former running back Tiki Barber that played with the New York Giants. Shout out to Joe, New York Giants fan. Big big New York Giants fan. Uh, But I, I think that there's a lot of parallels to Tiki's game kind of a one-cut runner with a little more juice than you would expect, can impact the game in a lot of ways, doesn't fumble like Tiki Barber used to a little bit. And for me, Khalil Herbert's a top-five running back in this class that I know that I'm going to be higher on than a lot of other people. But I have to mention him just because I'm a big fan of his game. And then I just wanted to give a quick shout-out, not as long-winded, Jared Dokes from Cincinnati, who was behind Michael Warren for a couple of years, who has dealt with some injuries. For me, when I'm watching his game, I think that there's so much untapped potential. He doesn't have a tread on the tires, even though he's had some durability issues. And he has put together a 220 pounds, quick feet for his size. There's a physicality to how he runs the football. Better pass catcher than you would think. He averaged like 14 yards per reception this year as well. Jared Dokes, for me, as a low-risk player later in the draft, I think he'd have that potential James Robinson impact because it's a copycat league where they're going to try to find that late-round guy that, hey, might not be a long-term bell cow, but for a couple years, it could be the lead back. I think that Jared Dokes has that type of upside. 
Yeah, I can't really speak on Dokes much. Haven't gotten to his film yet. I'm planning on doing him this week. But Khalil Herbert, like you said, I think he's one of the underrated guys that could be a workhorse running back. I think if if there is someone outside of that top three, that tier one that we've we've kind of talked about throughout this show, that makes it as a three down running back, it is Khalil Herbert. I think I think the vision uh, and the well roundedness of his game will just will just cement him as as one of those underrated running backs in this class. He's in my top seven, uh, depending on what you make of Demetric Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? He's kind of a you know, I have him listed as running back in my uh, database, my personal database. So he would come, Khalil Herbert would then come in at seven for me. But yeah, I think Khalil Herbert is someone that you'll see probably taken borderline day two, third, fourth round. I think that's where he's going to see his name called. But I think he's a he's a good football player, just kind of solid all around with great vision. I think he has some of the best vision in this year's class. All right, Alex, uh, who, who's your sleeper? Did you you got anything to throw in here? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh I think someone that no one's talking about that is so good, such a good football player, is Louisville's Javian Hawkins. Javian Hawkins might be one of the fastest. We talk about Travis Etienne, his explosiveness, his acceleration, his speed. Javian Hawkins is not far behind in that department. Low center of gravity, short guy, short, thick frame. When I was going into his film and I'm seeing his build, I'm expecting this Devonta Freeman style running back. But he has a lot, a lot more juice than what Freeman uh, had even in his prime. I This guy has the home run threat, uh, some of the best in the class in that department. Low center of gravity, like I talked about, the thick thighs, he bounces off tacklers. I think I think the really the only thing holding him back is a lack of uh, pass catching profile. Not quite the pass catching profile you'd like to see out of his style of running back. But I think that's really due to the system. I don't think Louisville really did enough with him in the passing game. I don't think it's a can't. I think a can't do type situation. I think it's more of a he wasn't able to show it. Uh, so Javian Hawkins for me is someone that I think. Both has the power and the vision uh, to to work on early downs as well as the explosiveness to where I think you can mold him into a pass-catching weapon as well. I think from a physical tools perspective, he is some of the some of the better in this class. Javian Hawkins is a fun, fun watch. So if you haven't watched a Javian Hawkins highlight tape, I, 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 I'll tell you, you need to watch it because he's, he's a fun football player, and I think he's going to be a better pro than he was college running back. And that's a good note for, for the evaluation process real quick is, like Alex said, he wasn't asked a ton to do have impact in the passing game. That doesn't mean that he can't do it, though. That just means that that was a system that he was in. So when you're evaluating a player, this is why those individual workouts are so important. This is why you see how natural of a hand catcher they are. Some teams just aren't designed to do well. Uh, to do certain things. Like like we talk about Clemson with the one-read system for Trevor Lawrence, right? Like they run an RPO-heavy system. That's a one-read offense. Like that just is what it is. Just because Javion Hawkins was not asked to do much in the passing game doesn't mean he can't. That just means that for, for their system specifically, he wasn't asked to do it, and that's why the evaluation process is so important to determine what the upside and what the future can bring for him. All right, wrapping us up with the final superlative let's hit for this running back class overhyped guys guys that are maybe being talked up way too much and Ryan I'm a little bit curious here to hear why you don't like this guy because if I'm being honest I haven't done a full report on him because I don't I don't do scouting reports as everybody's fully aware of and as Ryan is definitely aware of but I I liked what I saw from him at the senior bowl and also from his time at North Carolina Uh, I think that 
he might provide some value to an NFL team. And I can understand what I think your reasoning is, is that because everybody's talking about him right now after the Senior Bowl, but why are you low on Michael Carter? I, I don't think I am low when you really think about it. This is like uh, Alex's conversation about Kyle Trask, right? Like he likes him, but the hype just got a little too much. And this yeah. is it's the same thing for Michael Carter for me. Like I think Michael Carter is a good late day two, early day three runner who can be a situational player in the vein of a Deion Lewis. Like I think that that's what he is. But now I see people, you know, from multiple sites having him as a top 50 player, which is telling me like he's going to go early to mid second rounds. And I don't see that. I think that he's a situational player. I don't think he has much upside to carry any type of high volume load in the running game. I think he's a good football player who can do a lot in the passing game, both as a pass blocker and receiver, and he could give you some reps as a runner. But for me, it's just a little too much right now with Michael Carter. I don't think that he's near a top 50 player in this class. I think he's a very solid late day two, early day three player with upside, but he's he's a situational niche player. I don't think that he has a high volume upside. Yeah, I, I'll be. I'm curious to see where he'll end up landing in your running back rankings. For me, I have him as a uh, as my RB four uh, behind that first group. However, he, I have a late round two raw grade on him. That's not putting into account positional value. So, like you said, I wouldn't touch him until probably round three. Uh, once you put into account the the fact that running backs just tend to go later and for 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 good reason. Michael Carter's a good football player. I like him. I don't think – I think, like you said, the hype has gotten a little too much, much like my argument with Kyle Trask. I was a big Kyle Trask guy, and then everyone kind of surpassed me. And, you know, I think everyone's kind of met in the middle a little bit now that he kind of cooled off at the at the end of the season. But that's kind of how I was. I was, a, I was a fan of him for what he was, and then people just took it overboard. And I think that's kind of what happened with Michael Carter, especially at the Senior Bowl. Just because he was the the best senior bowl running back from a from a rankings perspective for for most people going into the week, so I just think that like you said, the hype got out of control. I think he's going to be a good football player in the NFL as a niche running back. Deion Lewis, I, I love that comp. You've been you've been hammering that one home for for a few weeks now at least. So I'm a, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think I think that people are trying to make an argument that he's that next guy, and it's close. And it, I think that there's a big drop off, a significant drop off after that top. Uh, like I said, he's my RB4 right now. I still have a couple more that could push uh, for top five. I have to finalize. But, uh, but yes, people have definitely gotten overboard with Carter. What about uh, your guy, though? Who who are you low on? And this one I can kind of understand because I, I don't understand the, the overall value in general. So, like, why are you low on him? This one confuses me because Jermar Jefferson, Oregon State running back, is who I'm going to be talking about that I'm – uh, low on he had one monster game uh, against Oregon it was on it was it was I, was it a Friday night game is that why everyone was watching yeah, it? it was a Friday night game we were doing Friday night scout school when he ran for like 300 yards or whatever it was right yeah. he yeah it was foggy game I don't recommend watching the tape from a fog perspective in general but he went off on national television everyone was watching his Oregon you know fun big and Jermar Jefferson went off and he's been a consistent producer in his uh what four years there was it Three or four years, three years that he he was three yeah three years three years so I mean he's and he's been playing you know all three years he's been you know kind of not a workhorse but he's been you know their lead back for years now and I've seen people I see the the dynasty fantasy football community more so than anyone else more so than more draft Twitter going crazy about this guy loving this guy I've seen him as high as RB four for some people 
And I really do not understand that. That's he a, just doesn't have... That's those fantasy football nerds, dude. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why the fantasy community is so in love with him, so enamored with him. I think they saw that one game and just said, that's it's, it. It's the He's bre- good. It's the breakout age. Wow, he was so good yeah, as a freshman. Oh, yeah, Early yeah. breakout. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. He does not have the physical traits that really make me think that he's going to do... He's not fast. He's not a great build. He's not thick. He doesn't have great contact balance. He's kind of fine all the way around. And for me, that's someone that I want as my RB2, maybe RB3 that I take in the middle of uh, of day three of the draft, maybe a fifth round pick. I could, I could make an argument for a fifth round pick on Jermar Jefferson, but there are so many people that are talking about this guy as a top five running back because they reacted live on Twitter to an Oregon game in which Oregon's defense kind of disappointed this year's of bad weather and he just ended up getting 300 yards and what three touchdowns or something. No, he just <laughs> he's just fine guys. Like let's just let him be fine. Right. He's not a top 5 guy. He's not going to be a a workhorse in the NFL. He's not even going to be a lead back in the NFL, I don't think. I don't think he's worthy of it. I think he's just fine. That's just what he is. And and it's always one of those things where if a running back has a good game, you have to understand the context of it always. And I, I think that running backs are always the the biggest um, fake top performers. Like you can have a very average guy have a crazy good game because they're play, fit, playing a bad defense that might have a lot of injuries and they have a good offensive line. So uh, definitely overreaction and hyperbole because of that performance. That's going to be it for us on today's show. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Please hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Also head to si.com slash NFL slash draft to get more NFL draft content from NFL Draft Bible. Um, head to believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other shows and follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rising Draft, at Alex Gillistrap, at NFL Prospects Pod, and at Believe Podcasts. Stay tuned on Thursday, folks, as we are going to have another fantastic interview coming your way. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.